Hello, and welcome to Wellbeings. Hey, this is a podcast where leaders and experts in healthcare use storytelling to shed light on aging, health span, and long-term care. I'm your host, Tyler White. Today, we have TJ Petty, uh, Director of Rehab at Montecito. Very delighted to have you here, TJ. Thank you for coming. Hey, excited about it. Good, 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 good. So, Tell us, um, director of rehab, uh, just five minutes ago, I thought you were director of nursing and you corrected me and said, no, director of rehab. Yeah. What, what does director of rehab entail? Yeah. So we have about 20 therapists. We have physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists. Um, and so it's, it's my job to make sure that we're given the best quality care that we possibly can for our patients to, to bounce back and return home at their prior level of function or close, close to it. Wow, that's a that's a big job. How many patients do you have at any given time? So usually we're right around two hundred patients. So it, it fluctuates some. Um, it can get you know down to one seventy five or or so, but it doesn't really get lower than that. And we have a a pretty big need in the in the community, and so we're generally speaking always full. Wow. And of those one hundred and seventy five patients, how many of them are participating in rehab? So. Currently, we have right about 100, believe it or not. So we focus a lot on our skilled patients, which are the traditional patients that have some kind of uh, a reason they can't go straight home from the hospital. Um, So they come in, we get them stronger, get them better, and get them out of there. But we also focus an awful lot on our long-term care residents and make sure that they're doing the best that they can. So right now, we're right about 100. Hmm. Is that is that a little unorthodox to um, devote rehab hours to uh, your long term patients? Yeah, I mean, I, I, typically the the for the most part we spend with the skilled residents. With that being said, people are people, and and they need our help, and so um, we focus an awful lot on, on getting in there and trying to take care of those long term care residents, and they have different needs than our skilled residents need, um, but they still you know, have that, that need and, and um, that ability to make gains and, and to increase their functional mobility. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what we focus on. And, and the neat thing is, is we focus on the long-term care residents, everything from their, um, you know, their depression to their pain, to their ability to, to move around in their environment. Mm-hmm. So it's multifaceted in the way that we can treat them and help them out. Wow. Kind of a holistic approach. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I really like that. Um, I have lots of clients who um, transition from from skilled care to long term care, and they they say, "Well, what about my rehab? Where's the rehab going to go? Why why is the rehab going away?" I know the answer to this, but why don't you articulate this? Why is it that rehab in a typical facility uh, vanishes once they transition to long term care? Yeah, generally speaking. What we're looking for are those functional mobility gains. So with uh, physical therapy, the three big ticket items are bed mobility, sit to stand, and walking. For occupational therapy, the big things are upper body dressing, lower body dressing, and toileting. And then for speech, their big ticket items are the ability to communicate and to swallow. So generally speaking, in the skilled arena, we're looking to make gains in all of those areas. Once we shift gears to the long-term care arena, what we're looking for is to ensure that that patient doesn't decrease in any of those areas. And if they do, we need to hop in and to bounce back and to increase those. The other thing that's special that is a change in the last couple of years 
is they want therapy to have relationships with the long-term care residents and to almost be kind of problem solvers. So um, if there's an issue with Mrs. Smith going in and taking a shower because she has anxiety attacks, hmm. well, what can occupational therapy do to get in there and, and try to help her out? So it's not necessarily something that we would treat Mrs. Smith for a prolonged period of time, but we'll get in there and, and find out, you know, does she react well to calming music? Hmm. Does she respond well to, um, you know, a, a guided meditation practice, you know, as she's getting ready to take that, that shower, you know, those kinds of things is kind of the problem solvers and, and having those relationships to try to fix whatever may pop up. Um, and you can imagine with, you know, the kind of census that we have with 200, you know, residents, there's an awful lot of, of that kind of stuff that, that comes up. And so it's really a special area and something that we focus on of, of increasing the ability to take care of those long-term care residents. Very interesting. So it's, you're, you're kind of speaking to um, kind of a mind-body connection type mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so that's a different type of an approach, I would imagine, the, than many, many facilities take. Um, is that a correct statement? Probably. Yeah. You know, I, I think that it takes, you know, getting out of our comfort zone, um, getting out of our kind of bread and butter, which is to make these people stronger, get them better, and let's get them out the door. Mm -hmm. um, when you're working with that long-term care resident, well, this is their home. They're not getting out any doors. They're not going, right. So yeah. this, this is where they live. This is their home environment. And how can we maximize their environment to, to whatever needs it is that they have? Um, you know, whether it's reaching out to even family members, you know, mm -hmm. walking through the process of, you know, how do you use this, this tablet to, to call your daughter? You know, so that's something else that, that we can dive into is walking through the step-by-step -step approach of reaching out to your daughter and, and, you know, those kind of connections that, that before and the old mindset, we never, we never got into those areas. Wow. I like the direction you're going. So let's say you have a hundred skilled uh, or a hundred long-term residents, mm -hmm. um, of those, how many would you say percentage wise are traditional rehab, um, you know, physical occupational therapy versus this, uh, mind body connection, holistic approach, emotional health, yeah. mental well-being? I would say that right now we've probably got right around 30 or so, a, a good chunk of them that, um, or on things, you know, that, that are the long-term care residents that, mm -hmm. um, that is something that, that we as an organization have searched out, um, and looked for ways of, of helping them out. Um, so it's, it's certainly not what the normal run of the mill therapist, you know, is going to dive into and mm -hmm. is going to say, let's take this on. But when we look at our environment, we look at our skilled nursing facility and I look at myself and say, how can I most help these residents, mm -hmm. right? Well, we're all going to, you know, it, it's easy to help the, the skilled patients, right? Yeah. But how are we going to help those long-term care residents? And I think that, you know, the first step is, is getting to know them, you know, know yeah. their routines, know what they enjoy doing, forming that connection with them. And then whenever we see something alter or something shift or something change, then we as, as therapists have the ability to go in there and, and assist them and bring them back to their their baseline. I love it. So this is, 
I, I would imagine um, a lot of this is outside the scope of what you were classically trained for. Um, I might be wrong, but but a, a lot of this so- sounds like it kind of d- dances into the arena of uh, emotional help, um, psychiatric help, um, help with uh, people's mental states. Um, where do you go to find that information? Where, where, where are you learning the things to, the, 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 where are you finding the tools sure. to help these people? Sure, and when I describe that, that's typically um, more of the speech therapist or the occupational therapist that that's kind of their arena. Uh-huh. Um, so they were actually trained you know, in those areas. Okay. Um, myself as a physical therapist, I'm all about functional mobility and let's get you up, let's get you moving. Um, but even still, we look at, at, the, at our residents and making sure that they're not developing contractures, that they keep their full range of motion mm-hmm. um, throughout all their joints. We make sure that, you know, that, that if, they're abil- if they're able to transfer from the bed to the wheelchair, wheelchair to the bed, we want to make sure that they, they keep that ability, mm-hmm. that they're not losing any, you know, into mm-hmm. that ability. And so um, I think any time that you're dealing with another individual, you can't help but to form that relationship with them. Um, and so I, I think, you know, based on that, I think that's just, I think it's just kind of part of being human, you know, is, is reaching out and forming those connections. And the stronger those connections are, the more you're gonna get out of that resident, right? And so a lot of times, um, the patients that I work with are the difficult patients, the patients that, um, you know, tell my therapist to get lost and, you know, I don't want any help. Um, and so, you know, I'll go in there and I'll spend maybe eight to 10 minutes um, and just form that personal connection with them and, and get to know who they are as a person. And once, you know, you tap into that, that genuine person that, that is in that bed, you know, the, the onion starts to open up, right? The, the, um, the brashness or the difficulty or, or those kind of things will, will start going away. Um, and you'll start seeing that that person inside that truly does, you know, want that assistance that that wants that help that we can provide. So simple, uh, yet so oftentimes overlooked. You know, um, just that personal connection, um, uh, being a good human, really, is yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah, and, and it goes so far in all arenas and so many professions and in all in all areas of life, really. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so you develop the personal connection. I, is there is there a set of tools? Let's say you have so, uh, a patient who um, is probably not going to show any more improvements physically, um, and is a long term resident is not you know has a payer source is not going anywhere, mm-hmm. um, but is probably not going to pass away in the near future. Sure. Um, and you notice that this, this patient is, is slipping into a depression. I imagine that depression is uh, pretty common mm-hmm. in that type of a setting. What do you do? Yeah. So what's amazing is, is a lot of what we rely on are called standardized tests. So these are tests that are administered, and it doesn't matter who the professional is that administers the test, the results will be the same. So there's some tests that our occupational therapists or our speech therapists can perform. Do you know the names of the tests? Ooh, the, the, I want to say the geriatric depression scale okay. is one that, that comes to mind. Okay. I can, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. But, um, but they'll use this test, 
and they'll you know receive a numeric score mm-hmm. um, and, and at that point they can kind of put them on the grid as far as where they're at um, mm-hmm. with their depression mm-hmm. and then we we tap into what's the reason behind that depression you know what is there that that we can do as occupational therapists for example to either modify their environment or what is there we can do to, to tap into what they used to enjoy doing you know um, if they were for example, an artist, and they've lost, you know, the ability to use their upper extremities, you know, even for, for feeding or for those kind of tasks. Well, what can we do to get those upper extremities, you know, working properly again? And before you know it, you know, we may have equipment or may have different ways of doing things where they can still enjoy those tasks that they did before, but just in a different manner. Um, and so as, as therapists, we're always trying to think outside of the box and trying to modify things and, and trying to make it where they're, they're able to perform the activity, but just in a, in a different manner than what they're, they're used to or the typical manner. Wonderful. Um, you've talked a lot about environmental changes, um, uh, modifications that you can make that can, that can help cheer them, cheer them up. At what point do you look to um, SSRIs or antidepressants, things like this? Yeah, so that's a you know that's definitely out of our scope of practice, you know, mm-hmm. as as far as as, phys- as, as therapists. Um, but that is something that we'll work closely with with nursing and with the doctor on, um, and so they're certainly you know part of that that conversation, and they'll they'll hop in and and you know do what they can do, um, and so it's it's a multifaceted. Um, approach to the patient, you know, and, and it can even be, you know, one of those things if, if somebody's in severe pain, for example, and, and obviously they're going to be on the pain medications, but if we can get in there and, and, you know, do some different techniques or do some different things to decrease the pain mm-hmm. and we're able to decrease the amount of pain medicine that's given or decrease the strength perhaps, mm-hmm. um, boy, then that, you know, that goes a long way of, of helping that, that patient out. Um, and so that's, you know, kind of another area that, that we tend to get into. And, um, you can imagine, you know, for the most part, um, you know, I want to say, I read the other day that, that 80% of long-term care residents in a skilled nursing facility report frequent considerable pain. Um, you know, and and I'm sure, I don't know the, the, the depression numbers off the top of my head, but, but I'm sure that it's, you know, gotta be, gotta be up there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is no panacea uh, in terms of one thing that will make everybody better, but there there are tools, uh, in my estimation, that would probably benefit everybody. Um, are there are there any tools in your toolbox that uh, that you tend to recommend to folks who might be falling into depression? Boy, you know, like you said, there would be great to have that that's, that magic key. Um, and, you know, again, the occupational therapists are more trained than, than I would be as a physical therapist. Um, but what I have seen, um, just kind of anecdotally, that, that has um, some positive res- results that I've seen with our patients is, again, back to that, that personal connection, you know, where, um, you know, it goes a long way to know that you have somebody that cares about you. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes a long way to know that you have a peer that, that is concerned about you as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it goes a long way to, to have somebody else also that you can care for, you know. And so um, I think that's been one thing that's been um, 
you know, kind of difficult with, with the time that we're living in um, is that there's a, a certain amount of, of socialization that has, has decreased. Sure. Um, and so because of that, the friendships and the bonds that some of our long-term care residents may have had with each other mm-hmm. um, has certainly decreased, you know, secondary to, you know, all of us trying to make sure that we're safe. Yeah. Um, when COVID first struck, uh, the nursing facilities, um, they were prime ground for COVID. Uh, and I know that COVID made its way through your building. I, I had a discussion with Carl, the administrator over there. And uh, when we spoke, he was, you were on the very tail end of your COVID patients. Maybe you're COVID free now. I'm not, I'm not sure. We may have one or two, but it's, it's not what it was for sure. Negligible. Yeah. Um, and in you, uh, you had to um, deal with a time in which not only your residents were affected by COVID, but also many of the employees, key employees. And uh, how did that affect you? Did it a lot of, because you were there and, and uh, you don't have to answer this, but you may or may not have had COVID. I don't believe you did. Um, what was your work like and how did COVID impact your, sure. your job? Yeah, so we're really, uh, I'm fortunate to work with Carl and, and um, he brings the, the culture of uh, employee, or sorry, of, uh, of making sure that we have those, those personal bonds with, with each other and with our employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I would say, boy, at one time, over half of our therapists um, were sick. You know, and, and so um, it was it was interesting, you know, battling with that. Um, and so, you know, that was I, I just kind of got in the routine of, of texting them daily and just to check up on them, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that they knew that I loved them, that I cared about them, um, offered to, you know, bring groceries or, or do whatever yeah. I could do to, to help them out. Um, and at the same time, it was, you know, the exact same with with our patients. Um, you know, there was a considerable amount of, of PPE that, that we used to make sure that, that we stayed safe and that they were safe. But um, again, just going in there, you know, on a daily basis and, and checking on them and making sure that they were doing okay. And if they weren't, if there was anything that I could do to lighten their load, right? Is, is there some water I can get you? Is there, you know, what, what can I do to help you out, you know? Um, and so there was a lot of, of that type of things that that I saw all of our staff do you know I don't think it was something that I did that was uncharacteristic I would say that I saw everybody in the staff you know kind of doing those same things um, you know it's also very very common to see um, you know our therapists on the floor working as CNAs you mm. know when they were when, when the CNA department got hit real hard mm. um, you know we're out there and and changing briefs and answering call lights and, and doing everything that we can um, to, to take care of those patients as well as we possibly could. And so I think going through that, I want to, actually, I'm, I don't, it's not that I'd, I want to say, I know that it made us stronger as a building. Hmm. I know that I have a, a closer relationship with the nurses now mm-hmm. that I didn't have before, mm-hmm. right? Now, all of a sudden I was, I put on their shoes you yeah. know, I went on the floor and worked for eight hours as a CNA, right? mm-hmm. and, and I had never done that before. Yeah. And so I've got a completely different respect for them and what sure. they go through. And so I think it's one of those things that's, that strengthened us as a building because now all of a sudden we're willing to do little things to, to help out that department. 
And at the same yeah. time, they're willing to do little things to help us out because they're thankful for what we went through to help them out. Yeah. Um, but what's really special is in the end, the, the patient is the one who benefits the most, sure. you know, from having that cohesive unit. Absolutely. And so I would say that we are definitely stronger now um, than what we were before COVID came through our building. Yeah. And Montecito is, um, I mean, to, to that point, is one of the most successful buildings in the state, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine so. I mean, it's, um, we have a high demand. We have, I mean, I put up our therapy department against anybody else. Um, our therapists truly love our patients. And it doesn't matter whether the patient is able to, you know, communicate or not. It doesn't matter if they're on uh, a ventilator and, and can't do anything. We're going to, you know, go in there regardless of where they start at. We're going to work with them, try to get them stronger, try to get them better. And, and the goal is, is ultimately let's try to get them out of here. Yep. Um, and so regardless of how the patient comes in, we're always going to pick them up for a couple of weeks and try to give them, you know, a chance to show us any kind of gains anywhere so that we can keep them, you know, skilled and part of our mix. And so that's where, you know, the real magic has happened where we have these patients that come in very, very low level. And after, you know, sometimes it'll take their, that full hundred days of the, you know, the Medicare benefit that they, they have, but they make those gains and, and ultimately they leave and, and go back home where they're, where they should be. Good. And when they do, they have a, you know, nobody wants to be in a skilled nursing facility, sure. but they've left with a positive experience, sure. as positive as it could have been under yeah. those circumstances. Yeah. And it goes back to this personal connection idea that, that it seems to be re a recurring theme. Um, it's not just the personal connection with the residents and patients, but with your employees, uh, your peers, your colleagues, mm -hmm. um, and that goes a long way um, in every context because people want to feel heard, people want to feel connected to, they want to feel cared about, and they want to reciprocate that, right? Sure, absolutely. And, and it's, you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be um, self-interested to um, reap benefits from connecting with people. It just happens. Yeah. It just happens. There's a beauty to that. Yeah. And not only that, I, I, you know, looking back at my life, I know my happiest times is when I'm not worried about myself. Right. Yeah. My happiest times is, you know, when I, when I go into work or, you know, wherever it is I may be, but when I go in with a genuine desire of putting my needs, you know, on the back burner and trying to help out this other individual, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't beat that. You, you know, really you can't. You go in there with, with that mindset of, I'm going to make a connection with this person. I'm going to love this person. And I'm going to do everything I can to help this person out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I became a physical therapist. You know, that's that yeah, right that's there in a nutshell is why I chose the profession I did is because I have the ability, I have the training to go in there and, you know, help Mrs. Smith who, it, you know, at this point can't necessarily roll over, you know, left or right in the bed. But you know, with, with coaching her along and, and instructing her and giving her some techniques and, and working hard with her is, is priceless, you know, and, and I always tell them, you know, that day that they walk out of our facility, you know, come back and visit us. And I would say that's, that's, you know, another huge payoff is I can tell you that we run into former patients regularly, you know, out in the stores or wherever it may be. And, um, so it's, it's fun to have that relationship with them and, and, uh, you know, run into them at Walmart and, 
you know, remember when and, you know, yeah. all those kinds of stories. So that's, that's priceless. Yeah. Yet another unwavering paradox of life. Um, if you want to make your life better, try to make other people's lives better and your life will get better. In the pursuit of improving your own life, more often than not, you feel discontent. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked a lot about what you do, and I've really appreciated uh, the insight that you provided. Tell me this. Uh, how long have you been in, in doing what you're doing? Yeah, so I graduated uh, physical therapy school in 2008, so it's been 12 years now. Okay. And yeah, we talked before we started this uh, episode, this podcast, and you told me that you had always wanted to be a physical therapist, uh, one of the rare people who always knew what they wanted to do. And you, from what I understand, not just from this conversation, but what, from what I've heard about you, you're very good at what you do. Have there been any uh, points in your career at which you thought, maybe this isn't for me? Boy, you know, I don't think so. I, I So I, I grew up, I think like all young men do, is I had a fascination with sports. Um, and I also knew from not early... Not all young men. Well, not... <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of young men. Is skateboarding a sport? Absolutely. Okay, then me too. There you go. Right, there you go. But I also knew early on that uh, doing a professional sport and making a living at it wasn't in my cards necessarily. And so I wanted to, to still be around, um, you know, the athletes in that kind of an environment. Um, so I, you know, I found out about physical therapy and kind of what they did, and I was really excited about it. So I graduated physical therapy school, worked outpatient at a sports place, loved it. And then I worked kind of the weekends over at Montecito. Um, and I had this amount of joy and happiness inside the skilled nursing facility that I didn't expect. Hmm. And so when I realized that I look forward to my weekends more than I did my Monday through Friday, that's when I made that, that switch. So that was probably 10 years ago. Uh, made that switch, and, and I've been fortunate enough to be at Montecito ever since. Good for you. Um, and I, I know that there's probably more than uh, – there's absolutely more than one. I mean, it probably happens on a weekly basis. But ha is there a story or illustration that uh, d uh, demonstrates why you are so excited about going back to work day after day? Because one of the things that happens – about 10 years for most most men or women who are in the workforce, uh, they hit burnout. And it, and you st it's very easy to start looking at people like just another job you have to do and you overlook that personal connection. Um, so so give me a story or two of, of, of the impact you've made on people's lives or vice versa, impact they have made on your life that keeps you so enthralled with what you're doing. Sure. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, there's there's one that just really jumps out to me, and this was probably about five years ago. Um, gentleman came in. He was in his mid-50s, um, and at first he wasn't – I wasn't the therapist that was assigned to be working with him. It was somebody else, and um, they had done everything that they could with him, and he was kind of a grouchy old man, you know, and – wasn't happy about being there, wasn't happy about um, this new stroke that he had had and, and was having a hard time um, adjusting to what, you know, could potentially be his new norm. Mm. Um, and, you know, kind of had enough with therapy and didn't want to necessarily participate. Um, and so I, I said, you know, let me have a, 
let me have a shot at it. Let me see what I can do. So I went in there um, and, and kind of like I told you, kind of that, that recipe of spent the first little bit just getting to know who he is, who he was, who he wants to be, um, you know, and in and, and talking with him, found out um, some more about, you know, his family, his grandkids, his kids, um, found out, you know, what his goals were to return back to doing the things that he loved to do. Um, one thing he you know, really loved doing was going to college football games. And he was um, at that time really bummed, not thinking that that would ever be a possibility. And so I told him, hey, you An know. ASU fan? Of course. Yeah, yeah right. ASU fan. <laughs> and he was, and I think that was part of our connection. I'm also yeah. a, a big ASU guy. And so you know, that was another bonding point, right? And, yeah. and that's the thing is, man, I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's so many different things that we can latch on to that, you know, where we have similarities with people. You know, yeah. and that was one thing that we established early on um, was that, that love for, for ASU football and, and how, you know, kind of our memories, you know, and, and talking back about old games from, you know, years before and, you know, where do you sit in the stadium? And, but just made that, that connection with him, you know, and, and letting him know, hey, you know, you've been dealt a rough card, but you're young, relatively young. You're, you know, 55 or whatever it was, mid-50s. But there's no reason that you need to, cash in your cards and give up, you know, just the opposite. Let's figure this thing out. Um, and so, you know, we, we put the work in and little by little, you know, he started making those gains little by little. He was all of a sudden, you know, able to, you know, perform those small actions, laying down to sitting up and working on his balance. He was able to do that. And before you know it, we had him in the gym and in, in a, a piece of equipment equipment that we call the standing frame where, Basically, we, we put them in, uh, in this machine that basically lifts them into a standing position passively. So they're not doing any kind of workload to do it. Um, but just seeing that smile on his face, you know, early on, we get him up in that standing frame, you know, and, and the poor guy hadn't stood up for two months, two wow. and a half months. Um, Atrophy had set in. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Oh, for sure. Um, and some neglect, yeah. right? He didn't know really at, at that point that the left side of his body was there that existed. You know, he didn't have much control at that point, um, but we got him standing up and, you know, he's smiling ear to ear and, <laughs> and thrilled that he was able to do that. Um, and it, you know, again, just working more and more with them. And, you know, at this point they had started setting him up with long-term care insurance just in case and going through that process. And when um, you say long-term care insurance, you mean all techs? Yep. Yeah. Yep. You got it. Yep. So getting him set with the, the all text, this is a safety net, mm -hmm. which, which I, I think is a wonderful thing to do. You, you never know how things are going to turn out. Um, but just kept working with him. And, um, you know, all of a sudden we got him standing up in this, in the, the, um, parallel bars, right. It took three of us. He was a, a fairly large gentleman, but all of a sudden we got him standing up and then all of a sudden we get him rocking back back and forth, left foot, right foot, that left foot's, you know, accepting the weight and holding up well. And, you know, baby steps before you know it, he's taking small steps in the parallel bars before you know it, he's walking the length of the parallel bars and he's absolutely thrilled before you know it, we have him walking with a walker. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and so he was, um, I, I want to say we got him walking with a four wheel walker. Um, and, and what was fun about him is, once he realized he could make gains, he all of a sudden wanted more gains and yeah. more gains and more success. Um, and so, of course, 
he was non-compliant at times and wanted to, you know, try doing things that weren't necessarily safe. And so, um, you know, we had a great relationship and, you know, he would try to show me what he could do and it wasn't always safe. Um, and so we had to kind of ring him in, you know, at, at, at times, but, um, you let him do backflips. No, no backflips. Um, but what was, what was great is eventually he, he did discharge and he, how many ASU games has he been to since then? Well, yeah. So we discharged him and he was with a, a front wheel walker, uh-huh. you know, and that was part of the conversation. Hey, how am I going to take this to the stadium? How am I going to do this, this, this? And, you know, it was, Hey, you know, we still got another few months until football season starts go home, work hard with the home health therapist, who knows what will happen. Um, and then he, what was great is um, about once a month he'd come by and visit us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at first he always had that same walker that, that we were able to get him. And then a few weeks later he showed up pushing a four-wheel walker, which is kind of the next step up. And he was quite, you know, proud of that and showing us as a rehab team. And then a few weeks later he shows up with a cane. We're like, dude, you're with it. That's amazing, you know, <laughs> yeah. and we're super excited. And and the thing is, is, you know, at, at that point, the connection wasn't just with he and I. Now it's the connection with everybody in the facility, yeah. right? It's all the therapists that have been involved. And it's all the nurses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and, and he's making these gains. And, um, you know, before you know it, a couple months later, he shows up and he's got no cane, you know, and. And he's just doing absolutely amazing. His gait pattern wasn't the safest, you mm-hmm. know, and, and he's aware of that. He knows what he's what he's doing at that point. He, um, you know, has to wear what they call an ankle foot orthosis, AFO, just to, to keep his ankle in neutral for when he, he ambulates. He can do so safely. But, you know, seeing him use that, you know, just that one device and walking around and, and doing his thing, you know, he was he was thrilled. Um, and so then, you know, before you know it, football season rolls around <laughs> and he'd show up every Friday and every Friday we would chit chat for, you know, 15, 20 minutes about who ASU was playing that, that day. And at that point he's going back to the games with his, with his sons and his grandsons. They're sitting in the same seats. They've sat in for the last, you know, 30 years or however long it was. But, um, but it's just, you know, that magic of, of starting off with somebody who's so opposed um, to therapy and, and so opposed to what it is that we have to offer. Um, but then seeing those, the, you know, those small gains and starting to believe in the process and then, you know, really envelop or, or grab a hold of the rope, if you will, with both hands and, and trust in the process and, and make those gains. Um, you know, that's, that's the priceless feeling. And so, you know, he's one that, that we still, he still shows up now about, once every six months or so, you know, he comes in and he's giving big hugs, you know, to everybody, you know, he's, he's one of our kind of mascots almost, if you will. And, and it's kind of fun to, you know, pull up the old notes from, Hey, remember when it took four of us to get you standing up that first time, you know, and and that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, that's, that's that payoff, you know, that's the, you know, again, back to that personal connection. Right. I mean, it, boy, it would have been really easy to say, yeah, you're right. You can't make any gains. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, man. That stinks yep. for you. Yep. Um, and that would have been acceptable. I mean, that sure. would have been uh, your call, and that would have been you doing a version of your job. But sure, that wouldn't have been the version of your job that keeps you coming back. No, that yeah, would, that right. would have been the version of jo- your job that leads to burnout. Right. And it's you know, and it's those patients that that you gotta you know that you remember. Yeah. You know, because there's gonna you know there's also patients that 
come in very, very similar. And, and regardless of the work that we do, they just don't want to buy in, Yeah, you know, and, and at some point they've got to have that buy-in. If, yeah. if I have a patient, I don't care what the diagnosis is. I, I don't care if they have the desire to get better, if they want to get better, we've got a fighting chance. Yes. And so sometimes it's us as therapists or us as medical providers that we have to have that ability to plant that seed within them. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they've been, you know, dealt a rough hand. Yeah. You know, nobody at 55 is expecting to have the kind of stroke that he did, no. you know? And so it's, it's, you know, we got to have our, our a game, you know, to, to, to plant that seed. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is, is, you know, just kind of an, another personal story is, um, we talked about it a little bit earlier today is, you know, my dad was up trimming trees and, and doing his thing a little over a year ago, fell off the ladder and, and, uh, sustained a, a pretty substantial head injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, being involved in the healthcare, you know, arena as, as a physical therapist, I was able to see certain things and, and kind of compare him to previous patients that I had had. And, um, you know, always, we're always hoping for the best, but kind of expecting and planning for the worst. And, you know, so early on, that was something that we had to talk about, you know, do we need to look at the all, you know, the all text process, you know, what do, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Um, but we were fortunate enough to, you know, to have, you know, him bounce back and, and do very, very well yeah. now. Um, but at the same time, all of a sudden when I'm the family member, when it's my dad, that's in that ICU bed, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that lesson taught me the importance of, of looking for that handle, right. Looking for that healthcare provider, looking at somebody, um, that, that is there for the right reasons. Somebody that can't necessarily give us all the answers, but somebody that's there that we can rely upon. You know, mm-hmm. and so somebody that we can, and I, I call my handle because it's somebody that we can hold on to, somebody that we can grasp a hold of that will treat us like we're a loving family. You know, treat us like, you know, our dad's, you know, still a person. You I'm know, on your side and giving you hope. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting to me. Um, I mean, you have this gentleman uh, who initially said he can't do it or he's not going to be able to do it and it's just so fascinating to me how powerful the mind is i mean if you if you can't do it then you're living in a vibrational frequency to use a hippie term that is not going to allow you to do it but if you can do it your mind is going to find a way to do it um in most cases um you know some would say all cases, but probably most cases. And, um, you know, you didn't give this gentleman metrics. You didn't say in four weeks you're going to be on a two-wheel and eight you're going to be on a four. You didn't give him goals. You gave him uh, a reminder of how good it feels to be genuinely alive. And my definition that I'm making up right now of being genuine, genuine, genuinely alive is being connected and in relationship with other people um with other people yeah and and that spark um gave him the impetus and motivation to graduate from two to four to cane to watching football with his family so good job um you've we i i 
I promised you I'd get you out of here. And we've been talking for a while now, and it feels like just a few minutes because I've been engaged in this conversation. Um, but we, we do need to wrap up. Before we do, though, however, we've talked a lot about how you help your residents um, and patients and colleagues. What do you do to stay um, uh, fit, we'll say, um, to, to suit up and show up every day? Are there things that, that you do to um, foster the wellness that you need to, to, you can't give something away that you don't have. So how do you fill your own cup? Sure. Yeah. So there's a, a couple different things that I've relied upon. Um, I think that the one that I'm using the very most right now is what they call heart rate variability. So that's mm -hmm. not something we've talked about at all. No. Um, but heart rate variability is basically taking that it, no matter where you're at, um, taking a moment of taking some deep breaths for having um, a thought, a feeling um, of love, of positivity, um, of thinking of a, a place that you've been or um, a loved one that, that brings tranquil thoughts um, and, and doing that for a, a period of, the, you know, the, the most amount of time that you can is gonna have a, a higher payoff. I'm sure up, you know, up to some, some limit. Um, but I found myself doing this two, three times a day of, you know, just kind of escaping, you know, um, it may be, you know, going into my office and, and closing the door and taking some, some deep breaths and, and, you know, thinking of my family, you know, thinking about what they mean to me and kind of being tranquil in that moment. And I feel that when we're, when we're tranquil in that moment, when we're centered when we're living in that moment then we're able to bring other people also into that moment with us um, we as as humans have this amazing ability to know what other people feel about us without them telling us mm -hmm. and so it's that you know focusing number one on ourselves and that love that we have or the blessings that we have in our lives that we can then go and treat others appropriately, right? I mean, back to like, you know, with, with any of our patients or any of our colleagues or anybody that we've talked about, if they know that I genuinely care about them, that I'm there for them, and, you know, they're not employee number 47, mm -hmm. um, you know, then that makes an absolute huge difference. Um, and so I, I found through heart rate variability of calming down my, my heart rate, calming down my breathing, um, having that wellness moment of mindfulness moment of, of focusing on myself, bringing myself into that situation in that moment, then all of a sudden I'm able to go and be more genuine, whether if it's with a nurse that's having a difficulty and then you go talk to, or a therapist, or a patient, patient's family member, whoever it may be, but if they know that I'm centered with myself and I'm centered with them in that moment, then we're going to have a much, much better um, ability to communicate and, and have some, you know, that positive interaction mm -hmm. um, versus, you know, always being rushed and checking the boxes and, and just moving along. Um, not to say that, you know, 
my day is not chaotic and busy and, sure. and I'm being pulled in 15 different directions because I am. But it's also just that those few moments during the day of, of bringing myself back, bringing myself back, bringing myself back, and then, you know, attacking those different moments, you know, and, and making sure that whoever it is I'm interacting with knows that, that I'm fully present there with them in that moment, you know. And so at the same time, it's, you know, I might have a therapist that's telling me something and I pull out my phone <laughs> and I'm emailing somebody or I'm texting somebody to try to take care of their, their issue. Right. And a lot of times they don't, they don't, um, you know, yeah. the boss is blowing me off. He's texting, you know, <laughs> who knows who. Um, but it's, you know, also that communication of, hey, I'm, I'm, I care about you. I know what you're saying. And, you know, kind of repeating back to them, hey, this is where you're at and this is what I'm going to do to take care of it. You know, and then following up with them later on, saying, hey, this is the issue. This is how we took care of it. This is the plan moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sorry, kind of a long winded no, no, answer. That's a great answer. Um, but I, I think it's just no matter where we're at, we can always take a moment to bring ourselves, you know, back in. Um, kind of the same idea with prayer, right? No matter what's going on, where we're at, we have that ability to, to reach out, you know, to, to be able to, to bring ourselves back to our core, to, to who we, we really are. Uh, you raised a deep question there. Who are we, really? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you want to dive into that you, one? You want to talk about out of my scope of practice. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I, w- I would answer that, you know what, we're, we're all daughters and, and sons of our Heavenly Father, and, and we're, we're here to learn and to grow and, and ultimately, you know, hopefully make it back to Him, you know, and, and, to, and to learn along the way, you know, and, and that's why we're here. You know, we're here to, to make mistakes and to learn from them, to, to repent, to grow, and, and to become, you know, more like him. Um, and at the end of the day, that's all that really matters, you know, is, is we're all people. We're all part of the same battle, you know, that's going on down here. And whatever we can do to lighten the load off somebody else, you know, how, how couldn't we do that? You know, and especially when it brings so much joy and peace into our lives to do so. Um you know, it's, you know, it's a, it's an amazing principle, I think, that is oftentimes missed in that, you know, back to kind of you know, full circle from where we started is, you know, if I want to make sure that I'm taking care of, you know, my wife and making sure that she's as happy as she possibly can be, all of a sudden I'm going to be a pretty happy husband, you know, in return for doing that. And it's the same way with, you know, with whether it's my administrator, Carl, or, or one of my therapists, whatever I can do to make their load lighter, you know, ultimately is going to bring me happiness. Wonderful. Last question. If somebody wanted to learn more about heart rate variability, where would they go to find that? Yeah, just Google it. It's awesome. Okay. It's uh, it's one of those things that they've, they have found, um, in specific with, with mixed martial arts, um, that they'll, they can test people's heart rate variability before a match and they can kind of predict who's going to have a, a better outcome. So it's the ability of, of managing stress, of, of bringing yourself back, you know, into the center, if you will. Um, and so it's, it's amazing. And there's, uh, not to necessarily give this company a plug, but there's a, a device called HeartMath. Hmm. And it's just a little device, Bluetooth device. I put it on my ear mm-hmm. and it's, there's an app for it. And, and I can see, you know, it kind of gives you the ability to follow um, the breathing um, 
tempo, if you will, yeah. um, to inhale and exhale, and, oh, yeah. and you focus on that. And there's and a wide body of research about breath and yeah. kind of a burgeoning field. There's awesome. Just, there's a Patrick McEwen book about breath, and then another one that I just read about breath. And there's so much that the the, the, the breath is always there. It's always happening. Yeah. Um, but when you breathe intentionally, as opposed mm-hmm. to letting it just do itself, there's a, a lot of power there. Right. A lot of stillness that can be found there. Right. Yeah. And so, and they talk about you know about about What's cool is, is it measures your breath, but then also measures, um, you know, the variability, you know, and so it'll kind of, so being a, a medical guy, I love numbers. I love so something that I can improve yeah. data, right? And so this device will give you that, that data back of um, your heart rate variability. And what's crazy is, is it can tell when you're thinking about and focusing on that, those loving things that you should be hmm. versus following the breath and being worried about whatever else it may be. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll give you that data back where it's like, okay, here's where your mind started to wander, yeah. you know, at, at this interval. And so it's just kind of crazy to see um, that our heart and that our breathing and our bodies and, you know, our souls, if you that, that we're all tied together. You know, all it's, it's, together. All, it's all one, one thing. Yep. Yeah, and when when one of those buckets is empty, uh, they all seem to be emptier and... yeah. Um, when one is full, there's a spillover effect. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Well, TJ. Agreed. It has been great having you on. Anything, any last words of wisdom you'd care to impart? No, just thankful to be here and, and uh, you know, thankful to, you know, for the profession I did choose. You know, I'm awfully grateful to be able to go in and, and help patients and help colleagues and, um, you know, fill my buckets through helping others. I and mean, you can't beat it. Wonderful. And if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or, if that's too much, simply tell a friend. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I can't wait to see where this project goes. We have a great lineup of guests in the works, so make sure to keep your eyes open for the next episode. Looking forward to talking to you then.